and welcome to episode 1225 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, October 23rd. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, it's been a little while. How are you doing this morning? I am back. I survived Disney. How was um, the vacation? It was really, really nice. You know, uh, I mean, it was a lot of walking, um, which uh, was uh, a difficult you know, you're carrying around a five-year-old for a large portion of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it was a lot of fun, man. Like just, Good. you know, seeing Disneyland at Halloween uh, was kind of a new experience. I've been to Disneyland a bunch in my life, but I uh, haven't been uh, at that time of year. And so getting to see like, you know, the, the whole um, Haunted Mansion ride is completely different. The Tower of Terror ride is completely different. So getting to like do some of those rides that they've completely changed for for Halloween time, it was pretty cool. That's pretty neat. As well deserved vacation. Hope you and the fam had a good time. Um, as you know, we've talked about multiple times. October is kind of our decompression month, so pods have been sporadic. I didn't even do one last week. I just figured, you know what, I'm gonna take the week off myself. Um, so you know, had a week off with the pod. Once November turns, so we're talking like a week. It's back on the grind. I know drafts are going on. People are studying. We're not here to fall behind. So we enjoy our little playoff decompression month. And then we kick it right back into high gear uh, with more consistent pods. And obviously that sort of uh, deep dive into the season that was as we look forward. And we're going to continue to do that looking back to look forward. And today we're going to identify a bunch of second half stud hitters and kind of see where we're at on them. Now, this is a, a mixed group of guys that didn't do anything in the first half. So they were they, they were second half studs in that that was their only opportunity in the majors this year. And then there were traditional guys who struggled in the first half, might have been getting cut in some leagues, just ignored, and then pow, things take off in the second half. Uh, and then, of course, you have your injury guys. Uh, that always uh, plays a role in this, too. So we're going to get into, I think, 13 different guys. A nice little group of catchers, too. I found a intriguing group of backstops that uh, might have caught some interest from you, Justin. But let's just dive in with the number one guy. Guy that we have talked about at different periods this year, but I don't think we've done a, a full debrief here in our off-season episodes. Uh, Royce Lewis of the Minnesota Twins is definitely one of the hot hot flavors of the month going right now in early drafts because he's also coming off a pretty strong playoff. They didn't last forever, but they did win a playoff series. And Royce Lewis was an instrumental part of that. I believe he ripped two homers in the very first playoff game that he played. And so, yeah, I don't think we've talked about him since in-season fab stuff with Royce Lewis. But the bottom line was when he was on the field, he was great. Does this remind you of any other Minnesota twin out there? I mean, (laughs) it, it, it is... You can almost say infield Buxton, except that Lewis also plays the outfield, but it is that exact kind of vibe of when this guy's healthy, watch out. 11 homers, five steals, 295 average, 992 OPS in the second half, but it comes down to that health because it was still only 32 games for Royce Lewis. He got hurt within this run. Where do you come out on the young stud? Is he just an infield or a utility Buxton, if you want to call it that way, to acknowledge his outfield? How do you feel about Royce Lewis right now after the big second half? I mean, you got to feel pretty good, uh, except for the price is going to be outrageous. The price is already outrageous. Uh, Current ADP, yes, we already have an ADP from three drafts, Mm -hmm. uh, is 28. Paying it. Like, I mean, that that is unreal. Um, And 
Uh, I think he will be a guy that probably continues rides. Uh, he's got power. He's got speed. Uh, I think it's a decent enough hit tool that, you know, he, you know, could hit for a 260-ish kind of batting average. But it's all about health. I mean, like you exactly. mentioned, this guy has just not been able to stay on the field. And as much as I love uh, Royce Lewis from a, you know, straight talent perspective, like, I can't pull the trigger on a guy that high that has missed the amount of time that he has missed, uh, even at a great position at third base. Uh, yeah, third third and short for Lewis. I don't think he'll be short. They're showing short on the ADP on NFPC's website. Is I think that, that is not I You're right. Neck, uh, that is last year's. That's last so year's eligibility. eligibility. So it is straight up third base for Lewis, which is fine. Um, yeah. If I had to pick one or the other, I'm picking 3B yeah. for sure. Look, you know, I, I, I've been there with Buxton, but obviously they're not related just because they're on the same team. So I'm not going to let the shortcomings of Buxton and the fact that he never really stayed healthy totally drive me away here from Lewis. It is a premium to be sure. Um, and I'm not necessarily buying him in every draft. You know, I instantly said that I would pay it when you pointed out Royce Lewis is 2880p, but I'm not against it. I'm really, really not like it is a situation where over the course of my my fall and winter drafts, I do a handful of them. You get one or two shares. You don't overload on a guy like this because he can tank all the teams yeah. or, or at least hurt them. Right. Like one guy lo- being being lost, even your second round pick should not tank your teams if you drafted good teams. But, yeah, you, you got to still be careful here with Lewis. It is a full price situation. Do you think the price comes down? Is this still some second half playoff heat driving Lewis? And then when everyone kind of deep dives and we really get some data, he comes back to earth or is it, does he live here? Cause in these three drafts, Lewis's uh, range is 26 to 31. It's tight. So where do you think uh, this goes? Does it trickle down, go up, stay around here? I think, yeah, I think, I think it's going to probably stay around here because I, I think pitchers are going to rise, right? And so pitchers will jump in, but then hype will rise for him. Uh, Especially because, if he has a spring, a big spring. Yeah, people are going to look at the numbers he put up in 239 plate appearances, uh, and that's 15 home runs and six stolen bases for Royce Lewis. Yep. Uh, and they're going to extrapolate that to 600 plate appearances. And they're going to go, hey, this is a potential you know, 40-15 guy or 40-20 guy. And he had four uh, playoff bombs too, right? Like he just yeah. threw in extra greatness of like, no, I, I am him. I am the dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you need me on your team. or Don't forget, former 1-1, right? We're yeah. not talking about some Johnny come lately. Buxton was a 1.2. Uh, you know, these, these are top of the scale type guys here. It really just comes down to health. And I know there might be some of like, I don't want to repeat the same mistakes with Buxton, but... I guess I'm ready to because the the talent is just sky high and I will have some Royce Lewis. So um, you're not paying it at all or you're tentative. I don't know how I can rationalize it personally. I mean, we're talking about him going virtually in the same spot as Gunnar Henderson and Raphael Devers, who I just feel like are safer bets. Um, And what what makes Gunnar safer? Just that he hasn't been hurt. The health. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like, we're not talking about a guy who's been banged up a little bit, right? Like, we're I know about a guy who's had I know. a ton of minor injuries and in a ton of major, injuries. multiple like, major injuries, double ACLs, right? Not the yeah. same one. It was each one, right? 
Yeah, I think yeah, I think it was. I want to I want to say when he ripped the other one, Royce Lewis, it was the one that wasn't yeah. healed. It, it it was the other one, so that's crazy. And so I just I don't know how you project him for five hundred play appearances. Um, and that it, that becomes hard a to. really difficult proposition when when you can't project a player for five hundred plate appearances. I don't know how you take him in the second round of a draft like that. That just becomes too risky for me. Um, I think it's the Mike Trout argument, right? Like, would you be willing to take Mike? We know Mike Trout is great on a per plate appearance basis, but if you can't project him for 500 plate appearances, how can you draft him where he ends up going? Depends on league. Depends on league size. I'm taking Lewis in the 10 and 12 all day still. Yeah. Even at that high end. I think in a 10 team league, especially with a bunch of IL spots, like, you know, place I will take a gamble on a guy like Royce Lewis is like this Tout Wars, right? Tout Wars, it's a 15 team league, but it's got unlimited IL spots, right? Um, you know, if you have a lot of IL spots in your league, then Royce Lewis makes a lot of sense. But if you only have one or two, like, oh, that becomes really difficult because if he misses four weeks, are you going to be able to hold on? I mean, you, you have should to. be churning those roster spots. Yeah, but if you, even if you only have one IL, like Lewis is that kind of guy that if you're committing to drafting him, he's got to be that guy that holds that spot unless your number one pick goes on. You know, if you only have one IL spot type of This deal. comes down to a lot for a lot to do with roster construction, right? If you take and, and Royce Lewis, you cannot take a, another Royce Lewis-esque player, right? You have to be very careful about the pitchers you draft. You have to be very careful about the remaining hitters you draft because guys are going to get hurt regardless. You sure. can't invite any more injury risk onto your team by taking a Buxton, by taking, you know, guys that, you know, are coming into the I'm not sure you with, can take glass now or no, uh, you know going on the pitching side version of it like that sort of player i see what you're saying and you're about to say guys coming in with a pre-existing injury like yep you do have to alleviate especially with as high as you're taking lewis and you can't perfectly plan for no injuries like you said other guys Absolutely. will get injured but we know the guys with the heightened risk if you start stacking guys with lewis like glass now and buxton and even o'neill cruz coming off the big injury yep. i know he'll be cheaper but like that's another guy you know if you start stacking a bunch of guys like that yeah there's a needle that you can thread and you win your league by 20 points but that's the one percent outcome yeah. so you might want to take more of like i don't know your your, your logan webbs your your yep. i was gonna say Semyon, but Simeon goes around Lewis, right? So you can't even yeah. you can't even stabilize your team with 700 plate appearances of Simeon and then get Lewis. Um, I guess it depends if you were picking on the wheel right there and you wanted to go bing bang. But I, I get the risks. I do. I, I'm not forcefully pushing back on you t- for being tentative on Lewis. Love the player. We're going to Arizona uh, Fall League soon. That's where I, I kind of had my awakening on him. Again, he's a 1-1. I didn't discover him or anything like that. I'm just saying I got to see him up close and personal. That was coming off one of the injuries. Mm-hmm. He looked amazing. I'm like, I'm in And on then this he got guy. injured in Arizona Folly. Correct. Yeah. Like, I mean, Correct. so like, uh, here's my, it's not for me. Um, and I know that I, I still have the moniker of the, the injury uh, prone lover. This is all, uh, it, it is all so funny in the backdrop of yeah. that. Like whenever but, you now are so fearful of any injured guy with that backdrop, it's mm-hmm. it's excellent. I'd rather I'd rather take the take the L because he stayed healthy. Because I'd be happy for him. Like I've got him in dynasty leagues, right? Yeah, where, where I've held on uh, or bought low. Sorry, uh, but I'm not gonna on my redraft leagues. I just I can't accept that risk. That I get high. it. 
If he was going in fifth round, I'd be all over it. Yeah, the, the market is saying it's it's full freight on Lewis, and I get that, but I also understand the the tentativeness with it. And I've been in on this player type before, and it doesn't always go well. So he'll be one of those guys, though, in like your Yahoo leagues, where he probably will not be going this high. Like, and you probably should be in your Yahoo leagues or ESPN leagues. I'll be interested to see where his ADP goes, but my bet is he is not a top 30 player in ADP on Yahoo, on ESPN when those open. And he's much more in the fifth, sixth round of those 12 team leagues. And in those times, like, yeah, I'll, I'll take that gamble there. Absolutely. Cause it's also a shallower format and um, yeah. yeah, it will be more built off of previous season because that's just the way those systems work at ESPN and Yahoo. They're so uh, built off of last year with their with their default rankings that people just tend to gravitate yep. toward that way. And that's the interesting thing about the NFBC is that obviously, you know, there's nothing to go off of when you're drafting in October. People are setting crazy min picks on guys. Uh, this next guy, as we move on from Royce Lewis, might have a crazy min pick. Uh, he's actually got a very wide split right now here. He has an ADP of 97 in these three drafts that we're looking at with a 48 to 137 range for first baseman Tristan Casas from Boston. Interesting season for him. This was a guy I had in, in the main. And in a 15-team league, I don't think you really ever consider drafting him, especially because maybe you cut him in April if you were really impatient because he had a 152 BABIP that really sank his numbers but then he stair-stepped his way up the rest May was 200 points better of OPS and then June was almost 100 points better than that so once you got through April Casas was better but the composite numbers still looked bad so he was getting cut in shallower leagues for sure even though all the power indicators were there that hey there's more to this in fact I just wrote up his baseball HQ box and um, you know, labeled him as that classic. The the core skills are telling you do not get off Tristan Casas. Big things are coming, and big things came with a 10.34 OPS, 15 homers, and 38 ribbies in the second half, with a 3.17 average for Casas. And I want to underscore that. I I don't think that's a full fluke. I think Casas can be one of these premier power hitters who also brings batting average when he's keyed in and, and can be maybe more of a 260, 270 guy consistently as opposed to that sort of 240, all or nothing type power guy. He was amazing. He looked great. Uh, they fully committed to him. You know, he was getting run against lefties. He still only hit 215 against lefties for the year, but did have an 817 OPS because the power was still there. Tristan Casas cooking now has a top 100 ADP. Um, is that somebody that you're willing to buy in on after his breakout second half? This is one of the weirdest profiles I think that we're going to talk about today. Um, because if you go back to one of the last times we talked about him, kind of, uh, I think it was right around the all-star break. And we were talking about like, Hey, is this, is Tristan costs a good buy low? And I was all over him, right? Like I was saying, like, I really love the underlying skills growth. Um, you know, he's making better zone contact. He's not sacrificing power to do that. And he's striking out less and he's just getting unlucky. Mm -hmm. So what does he do in the second half? He explodes, right? He has this huge breakout. The skills are atrocious underneath the hood, though. <laughs> the second half skills are like, it makes no sense. He should have had these numbers in the first half. And then and the then second had, half should have been the really struggle. had bad numbers. And so I don't know what to make of Tristan Costas at all, at all. I mean, we're talking about a guy in the second half that had like 
a 76% zone con or sorry, 78% zone contact in the second half. That is bad. League average around 85%, right? 78% is like it's not quite Joey Gallo uh Gallo Galloian? G- Galloian? Galloian? Yeah, Galloian sounds right. Galloian, it's not Galloian, like but it's bad. Um, you know, uh, and I'll actually I'll bring up uh, kind of the so league with Cassis's limited contact as you're bringing that up, he was just doing major damage on it, then right? Because I yeah. know the bad when he soared. did make contact, he made a really good hard contact, and I think that's what we expected from him. Mm-hmm. But it, like, if there are people thinking like the batting average is a skills growth, it is not, it is absolutely not. That is going to crater, uh, if he continues, I would be careful on that. Okay. I understand the contact profile you're talking about, but if he remedies that, the strikeout rate came down, the walk rate stayed at 14%. That's still a strong foundation. If you're giving me 24-14 on the strikeout and walk rate of somebody, and what I need from them is the is the contact profile to improve, that's a that's a gamble I'm willing to take. I still think he can. I, I think Casas can be more of a 260s type guy. Not the 317 he hit in the second half for a full year. Especially like you're saying, he did it. Uh, you know, he got kind of lucky to do it because the Babip soared to 365. But when you beat the piss out of the ball like that, that also gives you some wiggle room on your contact rate. Now, I'm not saying that he can have Gallo-esque rates and continue to hit 315, but I don't think he's necessarily going to crater if we get a little improvement in the contact rate because the core skills of the uh, walks and strikeouts are pretty good for a premier power hitter. I've, I've got the comp for you. Yes. You ready? Yes. Left-handed Matt Chapman. That's who I we mean, I, I don't hate that, but obviously that breeds volatility. Yeah. We've and, seen we've seen Chapman's volatility. And why does Chapman continue to play in spite of offense struggles? Brilliant defense. He's a brilliant defender at the hot corner. Um, I think that they're going to be really big ups and really big downs with Casas. Uh, a top 100 price I don't think is right, though. I think that is too high of a, pi- a price for a guy like Casas, uh, especially with the volatility, could he make more growth? Right? Could you know he showed growth in the first half and then showed regression in the second half? Could he's still really young? You know, we say it all the time: prospect growth is not linear. Casas could turn out to be a guy that, hey, if he can make even league average contact, I don't need him to be a stud. I need him to, with his power level. If he made league average contact in the zone. Mm-hmm. He, he would be a 40 plus home run hitter with like a 280 average. I'll take that all day. I mean, that's, I mean, isn't that Matt Olson, right? Um, uh, I don't think he's there yet. And I think that if we're paying a top 100 price, I have to have some belief that that is in a, a real opportunity in the range of outcomes. I, I'm not, I'm not there yet. So he's, he's probably not going to end up on a lot of my teams unless he starts dropping uh, in drafts at some point. It's unfortunate that uh, Kristen Encarnacion Strand is the next first baseman off the board at pick 110. Uh, so much for me um, stealing him. That, yeah. that is not a steal of a price. No. That, that You're is not, expensive. Uh, and I didn't think I was going to be getting him at like 250 here. Let me be clear that I didn't think that CES was, wasn't on anyone's board. I didn't think 110 already, though. Damn. Yeah. So Casas and CES, kind of the two young, uh, you know, well, and, and huge and first baseman. And been going right before them. Torque right there, yeah. yeah the, the, like, the three breakout 
you know, premier prospect type guys, especially Casas and, and Torque. CES was a prospect, but he wasn't on their level. But now going to Cincinnati kind of brings him up to their level, at least in terms of expectations. Uh, and then Steers one uh, one level ahead of them as like, okay, I did it all year. You guys did it for a half. Let's all kind of uh, change the face of first base here. Now you look at some of these guys that go after them, like, okay, you're saying I'm not going to take Casas. I'm not going to take Torque CES at those premium prices. Who do you like in that next group? Uh, Arise is a totally different thing. So let's throw him off to the side. I want to focus on power guys. I don't know if Santander, does he have first base? Because again, I'm going off of, they listed I believe last year. I will okay. double check real quick. Okay, so then you got Santander, Naylor, Yandi, Bohm. Those are the next four. And they range from 133 to 166. Do you like anyone in that quartet more than our trio of of pricey uh pricey breakouts? Torque, Casas, uh, and CES? Santander will not have Okay, so throw him in, in out. Yahoo, he will in, in regular leagues, he will not. Um, throw him out, because again, ADP, uh, or the uh, position eligibility is last year's for NFPC, and bring in Vinny P, who's going at 180. Yeah, I think that's... that. What about the buyback on Vinny P? I, his price will go up once for sure. shows health. But um, what about now? But, like, we, you and I do drafts now. Like, we're psychotic. Yeah. We're going to fire one up in November, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, are you going I, for Vinny P instead of the group? I absolutely would. Yeah. Um, okay. I, th I, th I think I would. I think I would also uh, nailer. I think I'm nailer over all of those guys. Maybe I, you know, I have not done my projections on first yet. So I love I think, Josh Naylor. Is the discount enough? Or because he's another guy who's got IL stints every year. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, I mean, the guys that I really like in this first base group are going pretty late. So. They're even uh, deeper. Give me Nathaniel Lowe. At I, I, I knew. I, I wish I could have bet every nickel I had that yeah. that's who you're going to go to because that's one of our guys that we both like. Yeah. And now he fell off the face of the map here. He's down at a buck ninety three. Yeah. Uh, give me Andrew Vaughn at two fourteen. Like Andrew Vaughn's got a really great skill set if he's healthy. Uh, Isaac Paredes, like a multiple yeah. position eligibility, like. Uh, yeah, we're gonna talk about Mount Castle. At, yeah, at we'll get to him shortly. Like, what's Hoskins' is, 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 is outlook? What, what's what's his I scoop? He, I think there was reports he could even be ready for the World Series. For the World Series, like, yeah, yeah, so yeah. Like, he's gonna be. He's a free agent though, so it's gonna okay. Be a matter okay, of, like, so we need to know where he goes. Where does he go? Is he like as much as we think of Hoskins as like, hey, he's a legit power hitter, middle lineup type of guy? They're going to be teams that look at him like CJ Cron. And I mean, how difficult was it for CJ Cron to like find to a job? Um, you know, at times, you know, getting non tendered, right? And uh, that's so, a good comparison, I uh, think, especially I think coming we, off the injury. Yeah. We really need to see where he's going to end up. Justin Turner, though, like just like just Turner. Energizer Bunny, dude. I know that's a dated as fuck reference, but the yeah. dude just keeps going, man. I think we mentioned, I think I made the exact same comp last time we talked about him because I was so impressed by Justin Turner's season. Hats off to him, man. He just keeps cooking. He's at pick 222. Jose so Abreu? It, I mean, I know Abreu's price is going to go up after these playoffs. Not that much. Sure. Not that much. But he's at pick 300 right now. Even at pick 200, Jose Abreu exactly. feels like. Raise it 100. Yeah. And I'm, I can still get there. Here's the thing. I think you're right, man. I love Torque, Casas, and CES. 
but these might be traps, man. The community, the community is paying full freight for them. And I get, like, I love all three of these guys. I see value in all three of them. I would put more than one on a team, you know, to go first corner or uh, CES might even have a third. So you can put him at third and one of the other guys at first. If these prices weren't so obscene, so hats off to the community for like valuing them. Like I get it, but I think they might be going a little bit too far with some of those other names that you mentioned being available. And we'll get into Mount Castle more. We'll give him his own time here in a little bit. He comes up on our list in a bit, but let's go to another young guy who really showed out and definitely probably haven't, I would say definitely getting a few jerseys picked up as like, yo, this guy won my league. I know you're picking up one of his teammates jerseys, but I guarantee you there's some folks out there buying some Nolan Jones jerseys saying this guy won me my league. I didn't know who he was coming into the year. Or even if you did, you didn't have 2020 expectations from him, including 1515 just in the second half, Justin. 301, 395, 573, slash line four. Jones, 48 ribbies with that 1515, 43 runs. That was all in 286 plate appearances. Of course, playing in Coors helps, but it wasn't the only thing that he needed. He hit 935 on the road. He went 10 and 8 on the road, 10-12 at home for homers and steals. So he was a home road god. He was a right-left god. Everything worked for Nolan Jones, but I know that there's something that's a little bit problematic with him, and I wonder how you feel about him because all those stats are great, but there's one that sticks out. It's a 30% K rate and a 12% swing strike rate. I know you're going to tell me the contact numbers. What's up with Nolan Jones? That was a brilliant second half. Are we buying it at all? So remember when I said uh, Casas had a 78% zone contact and that was really guaranteed Jones is lower. Yeah. 74.5%. Like it's, it's atrocious. Um, it is. Uh, I want to say if he was a qualified hitter, which he was not, it would have been the lowest in major league baseball by over a percentage and a half point. Like uh, it's, it's really, really bad. However, they know like what his, his issues are. Right. And they're okay with it. And it's yeah. Colorado where you're going to get some Babbitt help. Um, the the road Babbitt was 434. Yeah, that's coming down. 374 is- at home could realistically stay up near yeah. there, right? In Coors. You ain't putting up a 434 no. again on the road. You just he, can't. His XBA was like 244 or something like that. Like he, he, he outperformed his batting average by 50 points. Like that's he's, he's coming back down to earth. Um, in the batting average department, which probably means like, I know there are going to be people again who want to like, you know, kind of extrapolate things and be like, Oh, look, he had 20 home runs and 20 stolen bases and 400 plate appearances. I don't think you can give him all those home runs and all those stolen bases because he's not getting on base that much next year when the BABIP regression comes. So what about, okay. You said extrapolate, which I agree. Don't do that. Yeah. What about just 2020 over 600 play yeah. appearances? Then I don't think that's a problem. I don't think there's an issue there. Um, what do we hit? What do we hit in 250? Can the 40, home cover 240? I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd say high 240. So 250 okay. is in you know in in that kind of uh, neighborhood. There's no one Jones we're talking about. Got a lot of swing and yeah. miss, but power and speed this year. Babip through the roof. Justin, and he's did, gonna play. He's gonna play. Like he's in yes. Colorado. The, he is going to play every day. <laughs> Um, he's, he improved his defense. Uh, I, you know, and so like, I don't have a problem with people wanting to draft him. I do have a problem where he's going. Like pick 46. Yeah. I mean, I, I was just saying, I I don't think Tristan Casas is a top hundred player. 
and Nolan Jones, Nolan Jones is pick forty six. Yeah, no, like that's that's just a no for me. I would I would much rather have Royce Lewis at pick thirty than Nolan Jones at pick forty six. I, I couldn't that believe that. I couldn't believe that. Like I know he had such a great season. Twenty twenty is hot in one hundred six games. Pick is sixty one. Obviously, this is only three drafts. Mm-hmm. So like you know things are going to change drastically here over the next few months. I could not take Nolan Jones in the top 60 picks, and that's his max right now. No, I I can't. Like, I get Colorado. I get the power and speed, but the profile says that this was, the slash line is a stone-cold fluke, and I guarantee people are getting drunk off of the batting average, and they're saying, oh, I'll take 30 points off of that. No, you've got to take, like, 50 off of it. You're also At not least. gonna get runs and RBIs because he plays for Colorado. Exactly. Like that's, you know, that is you get not... some at home, but then on the road, it's yeah. Nothing. I mean, he's gross. His road his road work, I think people that the people that are gonna balk on Nolan Jones are gonna be the ones that that dig in and see that home road split and be like, whoa, 434 Babip on the road with just obscene numbers. It's just not gonna work like that. He might be a guy who maybe doesn't get his hit by the course hangover. I can I can buy that as a potential notion. I still wouldn't put him down for anywhere near a 935 road OPS for Nolan Jones. It's just not going to happen. And um, yeah, this is another one where it's like intriguing guy that I'm interested in. That I see the price. I say, never mind. I've been priced out of the market completely. Yeah. Uh, but m- this next guy, maybe not. Maybe not. Because with all these other guys rising, maybe our boy... Our good friend, who we did abandon uh, right right as draft season kicked into high gear because he got hurt. I don't I don't uh, think we're wrong for abandoning him. But Seiya Suzuki got a very t- untimely injury right as we were about to go into our drafts and try to get him in every single one, and it kind of spoiled his his season a little bit early on. But he rallied and he made the most out of it. And if we had stuck with him, um, I don't think we'd have been too disappointed because he ended up thanks to a big second half finishing with. 20 homers, six steals, 285 average, 75 runs, 74 ribbies uh, for Seiya Suzuki. That's his full season. 13 and five in the second half with a 313 average. He was excellent once healthy in the second half when the Cubs were rolling until obviously the very end. Wasn't his fault down the stretch though. He killed it in September, October, seven homers, 370 average for Seiya Suzuki during that run. Um, I think I already know the answer, but just want to underscore it. We're buying back in on our boy, right? He's at pick 111. Or 117, rather. I think that's pretty fair. Um, are you still in on the say Suzuki train? Yeah, I think so. Maybe not as hyped as I was coming into last year before the injury, but uh, yeah, the skills were really good in the second half. I mean, he was a uh, you know around league average, uh, or maybe a little bit above league average uh, zone contact was bearing the ball at like a 10, 11 percent rate. Uh, kind of exactly what you want to see, right? 13 home runs and 285 plate appearances, five stolen bases. Struck out just 20% of the time, walked almost 10% of the time. Like everything was exactly what you wanted to see from a guy like Say Suzuki. He's got to stay on the field, though. Like that's going to yep. be important. Uh, but I think you can comfortably project him for 550 plate appearances and, you know, 30 home runs and maybe like. 10 stolen bases? Yeah, we'll see. He's not been an efficient base stealer. He's 15 for 27 in his career for Suzuki. Um, but, you know, we saw a lot of guys kind of jump up this year. If he gets a little bit more efficient, 
you can get double digits there sneakily. But just put them down for a little handful, a single-digit handful, and if you get extras, you take it from Suzuki. We don't need to go too much deeper on him. We spoke about him so much uh, in the preseason and will, even during the season. I will go say ahead. something I just noticed. He only had two stolen bases after, or, you know, once uh, August started. So Interesting. They, I wonder, may have, they may have either tried to keep him healthy by not letting him run, um, or they may have didn't want to run hey, into outs. Yeah, don't run into outs. So maybe maybe we pump the brakes a little bit on the like ten stolen bases. And yeah, I'm, them, I'm uh, putting him down in my projection. Just in my head, I haven't done it yet. I'm putting him down for like another six or seven. Yeah, and then if I get to the to the ten, eleven, twelve. That's gravy. Thank you for that extra there, say Suzuki. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's our boy. We're sticking with him right back in next year. Pick 117 doesn't seem too unfair. The range is 104 to 127. Um, I'm, I'm okay with that for say Suzuki. Next guy, Will Benson, probably getting picked at pick 12 or something. Let me look. Oh, actually a cheap guy. Holy smokes. Despite a big second half, Will Benson is very cheap. Pick 267 in these early drafts. But Will Benson, another guy that uh, Cleveland had no use for. Nolan Jones, by the way, uh, was also from Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I guess they, they didn't need these outfielders because they had Miles Straw and Stephen Kwan. Okay, cool. I guess. I don't know. But he had... Uh, smart Stephen Kwan. Stephen Kwan's been fine. What do you need two Stephen Kwans for, though? Yeah, sure. You got Straw and Kwan. It's, it's more well, the but, fact that you but, have two of that same copy. They're slightly different. We do yeah, not need to break down the differences. They're a lot, they're a lot <laughs> they're not the same. <laughs> they're damn near the same at their best. Uh, but Stephen Kwan is Luisa Rise. That I stand by firmly. Uh, seven homers, 12 steals in the second half for Benson. 265 average. Interestingly, I put him as a second half breakout. It's more in the volume of his home runs and ribbies because his first half slash line was actually better. Um, 291, 385, 496. Then he drops down to 265, 351, 500. But he played more. And so that volume went up. And the bottom line is he put himself on on the radar a bit in the second half. But as I mentioned to you, the price is not particularly high. Is the market sleeping on him? He ended up with 11 and 19 homers and steals in 329 plate appearances, 275 average, playing in Cincinnati. Is this the cheap avenue into the Cincinnati lineup with Will Benson? I mean... I mean, it's definitely a cheap avenue into it. The question is, like, how much will he play? We know he's going to platoon, uh, though he is on the strong side. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem with Benson is the just outrageous strikeout rates. Dude swinging um, for the fences every single time. Yeah, and, you know, like, teams don't mind that as much as they used to, but in this big second half, he had a 36% strikeout rate. <laughs> completely backed up by an atrocious 76% zone contact. Yeah. And it's not like he's swinging outside of the zone, right? He only had a 24% O swing. He swings and misses a lot in the zone. And that's a problem. If you can't make contact in the zone, uh, you're going to struggle. Uh, I think that this is a real big boomer bust type guy. Cause we know, he, we know Will Benson has power. We know he has speed. Uh, the question is, will he get the opportunities if he continues to struggle inside the zone? I like Will Benson as a player. All the reports, uh, I think it was, um, oh, God, Emily. Uh, why am I blanking on her last name right Ranikowski? now? No, I'm just kidding. No. Uh, that's, the, the, that's the minor actress. Uh, the minor league <laughs> writer uh, that uh, has been uh, battling cancer. Why am I blanking? On oh, her? oh, Emily Walden. Uh, yeah, no, I'm. No, is it Emily? I, I, I'm sick right now. I can't think. Um, but she talked about 
uh, a couple years ago, like he's like the hardest working guy in the minor leagues. Like that he is really, really committed to I his was craft. right. Don't was doubt it? me. Um, yes, um, it's Emily Walden. You got me thinking, wait, am yeah. I wrong here? No, of yeah, course I was right. I'm always right for one. Um, anyway. But yeah, that she she wrote a really good piece on him that he was like one of the hardest working guys in the minor leagues. Uh, that while he struggled as while he struggled as a prospect, like he continued to work really really hard. He didn't get down on himself. I think he can make continue to make improvements, but he needs to make massive improvements if he ever wants to be not necessarily even a full time player, but like a full time platoon player. Um, I I think this is a really risky pick. I don't mind it because it's a pick 270, but I think that is probably an appropriate place for him to be going. That's fair. There are risks here with Benson, but I think that after all the other guys that we've seen just get sent through the roof with their prices, this one it actually looks like a damn bargain here with Benson. Um, you know, you talk boom or bust, and he highlighted that in the second half. July, 997 OPS. September, 983, the August in between, 634. And that's 26, 27, and 22 strikeouts from July, August, September there. The Ks are always there. It's that swing for the fences type deal. He's a great roto guy, Will Benson, right? Because you just look at the numbers at the end of the year and you should be good. But if you're dealing with him day to day, week to week, he's probably going to be a pain in your ass. Uh, but I like Will Benson and a pick 276. I'm certainly not getting hurt there paying that that price at all. Uh, our next guy, we go out to Oakland, believe it or not. I have something positive to say about an Oakland player. I know that sounds crazy, but again, see, and we're right back to the holy shit prices because Zach Geloff is at pick 135. And obviously I'm not completely blown away by this because I'm highlighting guys who uh, did the most recent good work here in the second half. So I should be expecting these prices to be higher, but I'm still a little stunned that that they're that high. Um, Zach Geloff, he's one of the guys that didn't have any first half numbers because he was in the minors, comes up in the second half in 69 very nice games. He goes 14-14 in 300 plate appearances. Justin, this is an easy one for the extrapolators. All they have to do is double it to get to 600 plate appearances. And now they've got themselves a 28-28 player. Um, you think Geloff is definitely going to go 28-28 next year, right? Absolutely. <laughs> no, I hope people understand. our. They know our tone. They know we're obviously joking here. <laughs> He's not going to go anywhere near that, but he hit 267, 337, 504. Played well. Looked like a really nice piece here for Oakland. Do you believe in Geloff as pick 135? Pick 135 seems like a bit of a stretch for me. Feels a um, little high. He's going ahead of TJ Friedel. Ever heard of him? Yeah. I mean, he strikes out. He's going to strike out a lot. His in-zone contact numbers are not good. Um, they're actually really bad. Uh, that being said, this is very similar to Nolan Jones, where he's going to play. He's in Oakland. Like, There's no reason for him not to play every day, even if he's hitting his own body weight, which isn't as high as Nolan Jones. Um, yeah. <laughs> Geloff is, uh, he's got, there, there is some pop in there. I don't know how much I believe in the 14 home runs. Like, Agreed. I don't, I don't know that I even project him for 14 home runs in a full season next year, uh, playing hit, in Oakland. Well, for a full season, I think you might be wrong there because he hit 12 in AAA as well, which is the PCL. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. In Oakland, in like obviously, you know, right? Like, sure, sure, sure. No, Vegas, I thought. Oh, Vegas. Yeah. It was even worse. They're, so, they're, uh, they're, they're going to their AAA. So, 
Uh, also 69 games, by the way. Um, nice. So, yeah, I mean, he did hit 26 homers across 608 plate appearances, AAA in the majors. I think I'm getting him to 14 for a full season at the very least. But your, your point is taken about, like, is the power legit? He did steal 20 in the minors as well. So he went 26-34 um, over the full season here, Geloff did. Triple-A numbers need to be tamped down substantially. He's a big-time swing-and-miss guy, not a huge walker. And unlike Nolan Jones, he does not have Coors backing him. He's yeah. got freaking Oakland. Yeah. And so then the runs and ribbies are really coming down. I, I just can't get there. You talk about another guy who I actually thought would be higher uh, in ADP. Evan Carter is one spot behind him at 135. He's having that huge playoff. He looks like an absolute yeah, that, that monster. Change. Yeah. I, I think he's going to go in the top 100, which. Yeah. Oh, I, th I, I mean, I, I actually wouldn't be surprised if, if, Evan Carter isn't a top 50 player come March drafts. I mean, yeah, I think he'll be top 100 in the next draft that goes because he's probably yeah. put up another bunch of playoff work since then. Uh, but Geloff, that's too high for me on Oakland at pick 134. Yeah, I mean, I could see like um, a 1530 season. And so with that, like, I actually don't mind. That's not terrible. Then if you can get that high on it, then even 60, 60 on the runs ribbies. Cause that's probably about what it's going to be. It might, it might be lower than that. Um, that, that would still play then if you're going 15, 30, especially then, right? second base, which is not like the deepest of positions. Uh, what, what kind of batting average do you think in there? If you're going six, 15, 30 for Gallo 45. Okay. So 245, 1530, 60, 60, we'll call it. Rooker went 69 runs, uh, batted in 61, scored last year as as their best players. So even if we do like 1225 at a 245, like I think that might be enough to put him around 140, which like that seems okay-ish. Like you're you're putting him up against the likes of Kettle Marte, uh Tyro Estrada. I was just Tyro is exactly the comp. And yeah. I want to see where Jimenez, he finished last year. Um, Max Muncy, Trevor Story. Like, these are all guys going behind him. I don't have a I, – I probably will take some of those guys over him, but I don't have a problem with him going around there. So, Tyro isn't off my board. Tyro last year, uh, the year we just had here, put up basically what we just said for Getloff, and he finished as – where the hell is he? Tyro, the 123rd hitter. Okay, so that would you so that would not be 50 pitchers. So and so Tyro, by the way, went 14, 23, 271, 30 points higher than we said. 49 ribbies, 63 runs. So you trade some of that average for ribbies based on the projection yeah. that we said, but it's pretty close. Think, and that was it. I didn't do this this offer like i don't think people think about this enough but we saw some some team some some really good players struggle with this in season um including i think you talked about this with more on the pitching side than the hitting side but geloff offers really um uh interesting roster construction issues and interesting in a bad way because when you draft a guy like Geloff, you have to draft someone who's going to make up those runs in RBIs, right? Because yeah. he's on Oakland, uh, you know, and that becomes more and more difficult to do because a lot of the good hitters on good teams have already gone by that point. So you're automatically putting yourself in a little bit of a deficit, even though you're getting a lot of stolen bases, which are 
great. Phone mm-hmm. bases aren't as valuable as they were, you know, previously. And I don't know that he's one of those guys I want to mess with my roster construction because you automatically start saying, well, then I got to take other guys who are on poor performing offenses off my board. And that's where you get the deals later on. Especially like, yeah. And you're paying early for golf. And that's what I'm saying about like Evan Carter being right there. Give me the guy on the much better team. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm actually just not really sure how Evan Carter's ahead. Even, even just being three drafts. I think just I'm obsessed with Evan Carter's plate approach and obviously seeing him every day in the playoffs right now is helping. But yeah, I, I like Geloff. He was huge for me. I'm trying not to let my favoritism for him for what he did for my team down the stretch influence me too heavily. And I do think I'm out at this current price point. I think it's too high for me. And uh, unless he comes down a bit, I'm just not sure. Like Volpe's going pick 144. Yeah. 10 picks late. I'm just taking Volpe. Yeah, probably. Um, um, Andres Jimenez, pick 153, 20 picks later. Yeah, Nolve Marte doesn't cover second, but he's 155. I'm definitely taking Marte. Um, I mean, Trevor Story, 163. I keep going, but you get my point. Yeah, I think I think you're probably right. I mean, you can even like dip really down and start looking at guys like Brandon Lau, 283. Uh, Brandon Donovan, 274. I liked Donovan, uh, man. Him getting hurt sucked, but I really liked what he was doing this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bryce Terang, you want a guy who can steal bases and play yeah. second base? like Better team, too. I think that yeah. that team's better. Obviously, they're better than Oakland. And but, I mean, you know. their power, you know, with Terang being in Milwaukee and Geloff being in Oakland, like the power difference is probably not going to be that much. Yeah, because Terrain can run into a few in, in mm-hmm. Milwaukee, maybe get some benefit, whereas um, Geloff might get some eaten up there. So the 14-14 was excellent. I do think it could lead people astray. Yeah. Um, even if they're not just you know simple extrapolation and doubling it, because that's the thing, they're going to look at it, they're going to go 14-14 and 300. Okay, that'd be 28-28 over 600. Let me shave it down. I'll just say 20-20. I was like, don't just say 2020 because I don't think he's hitting 20 homers next year. So be careful with Zach Geloff. Love what he did down the stretch. Not sure I trust him at next year's price right now if it stays in the 130s. Uh, now we're over to Mountcastle, who we did hint at earlier. Another first baseman. You know, he's more established. And as great as things were going for uh, Baltimore this year, he really wasn't part of it early on. They were succeeding in spite of him. He did hit 11 homers in the first half, but it came with a 231, 267, 424 line. So it was pretty empty pop. And then in the second half, um, he only hit seven homers in, in about 60 fewer plate appearances, but hit 322, 404, 489. So the slash line came alive. Part of that was just the BABIP going off. It was BABIP regression, 260 in the first half, 386 in the second half, right? It's like the baseball gods yeah. knew they owed him a little bit type of deal. Um, but all in all, you look at it and it's a pretty Mount Castleian season. Um, 115 games though. 145, 144, the two years before that. Always missing some time. This year was a bigger chunk. He's going to be 27 next year. Mountcastle closed strong. He's still on that great team. Do you like Mountcastle as a cheap avenue into the Baltimore lineup? If, you, if you're not paying the premium for those guys, he's picked 241. What do you think of Mountcastle to that end? Like, I just want to get in on Baltimore in case they go off again, which we all expect them to. Well, I mean, here's my question for you. Is he in the Baltimore lineup next year? 
That's a perfectly fair question. I think they've, right they've got to trade saying, somebody, right? You're talking about like, trading. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I, and I think he's the perfect guy to trade because, you know, like he, he you know, he's got less time being cost controlled. And well, wouldn't he just be a full timer for whoever he goes to, though? Wouldn't we feel good about that? Or do we worry that he, Mountcastle, would get traded would, into a platoon I think situation? He, I think he would. Like, on, I, I want to be traded. Like, I, I yeah. want him to. Because then get he's off. free and clear. Yeah, he's outside of the Camden Yards, which is just atrocious place for him. You know, used to not place. be. Yeah, yeah. He used hates to. that architect. Yeah, whoever I, whoever's idea that was, Mountcastle has a little dartboard. He needs of that to go guy's to a place. Face. He needs to go to a place where right-handed hitters don't just suffer. Um, if that happens, then I'll be all over Mountcastle. Though I'm sure a lot of other people will be too. Uh, so if you're doing an early draft, you might want to just take a dart, considering the the pretty decent price. Uh, but if he stays in Baltimore, like, I don't know how he gets to 20 home runs, which is a little brutal coming from your first baseman. So he had um, 22 last year, the first year of the, yeah. of the change. He got 18 this year in 470. The problem is, is will he play full time with all of the that's guys fair. that they're going to have? And, and that's the thing. That's, if that's in the cards for him. This is like National American League Cincinnati, right? We've talked about Cincinnati, and if they're going to trade anybody, you can see some avenues for trade, but you don't have to trade under the notion of like we still got to get through one sixty two, yeah, right? Like we don't give a shit about people's fantasy teams. We love having Heston Kierstead, Colton Kowser, and Ryan Mountcastle on the bench. Like that's a sick bench. Those would be the three, four, five hitters for Oakland. With Galoff batting two, you know, so like, and who's trading for a twenty-seven-year-old DH? Like, and what do you what do you really getting? Yeah, and and so that's the hard part is they need to trade. So, I mean, what they should do is try to trade one of their prospects. I, I think Kowser or Kirstead are yeah. are the ones that are worth trading because I think you can get some. You can really attack the pitching. Yeah, but Mountcastle's uh, bringing back a. So if he, Kyle if, Gibson. if he stays in Oakland or if, sorry, if he stays in Baltimore, then Mountcastle is a lot less of an intriguing option. He's got really good plate skills. He's especially in the second half. Like I know the BABIP was out of control. He's also like an 88% zone contact guy, which is fantastic for, you know, power hitting first baseman. The problem is that park really destroys his ability to really hit for power. Um, so you'd be looking at maybe 20 home runs with like a 280 batting average. Which is fine. I don't mind that. That's your but, CI. You know, yeah. two, pick two forty one. Mount Castle is your CI or your utility. So you you can have lesser expectations from that roster spot. But I hear you. It's not as appealing as if he gets traded somewhere and has a chance to pop off again. Particularly if it was a righty infused park uh, yeah. that really helped him. As uh, unlike Camden, which is eating up his time. All right, let's get to the catcher corner here. I got four four catchers in the middle, and then we'll close out with two. Two rookies who uh, who did some damage here. Let's start with one who's still playing, Gabriel Moreno. Quietly, uh, you know, when when that trade happened, you know, it was like, oh, Moreno going to Arizona. This Varsho deal, this is really interesting here, uh, because you know, keeping Kirk and Moreno didn't make a ton of sense necessarily, especially with Danny Jansen there. They had to move one of them. Moreno was the guy. Arizona really liked him, and I believe they love his defense, too. I want to say that, like, there was a lot of raves about what he can do behind the dish. The bat was fine 
overall, but it really started to peak through a bit in the second half here with Gabriel Moreno because I believe he missed some time early on. I forget with what uh, TBH, but um, early, the, the time miss might have been in the second half because he only played mm-hmm. 43 games. But either way, after hitting a 655 OPS in the first half, Moreno went to 894 with a 313 average, 382 OBP, 383 OBP, and 512 slug, five homers, two steals. Counting numbers aren't off the charts because it's a small sample for Moreno, but he really started to show that he could be the dude down the stretch there. Do you believe in Gabriel Moreno to still have a big breakout coming? He's only 24. This was his first full-ish season. It was only 380 plate appearances. We're still really laying a foundation with Moreno. Are you ready to buy in at a... 165 price point i don't mind it but i I do worry that people are going to like think of him as a he's a former top tier prospect he's having big postseason uh there's going to be skills growth he's going to hit for power but like he's never been a guy that's going to hit for power um like he is i mean he's kyper ruiz right on just a better team uh, I can see power developing maybe down the line. I'm talking like age 26, and he's gonna be 24. Yeah, and next year. I think at best it's like league average power. I mean, he's got yeah, like yeah, a yeah. four degree. Moreno's got a four degree launch angle. Like that's batting average, that not gonna play. Batting average and like runs ribby. Like you, you need the stuff that is hard to bank on. Batting average runs ribbies out of your catcher. Um, you know, relative to the playing time that he gets. But like that's what you're really getting from him. A, a smattering of steals, a smattering of home runs. He doesn't bring a ton, so you need that average to be good. He hit 284, though. That's pretty good on the year. He'll be 24 in a good lineup. I think 165 is too high for Gabriel Moreno, though. Too. And I Especially like him. when you see some of the names going behind it, him. Precisely when you see them. Go give me yeah. a few that you like right off the top. I mean, Sal Perez. One one sixty-seven, right? That, you know, just crazy. right behind him. Jonah Heim. Like I'm at one three now. If we're raising everybody up, that's like still in the playoffs. How's my boy? I, by, by the way, I'll take it. Let's not keep. Yeah. Let's keep Heim down here. I will take him all day. The aforementioned Ruiz, pick one eighty three. Logan Ohapi, like you know, I'm in on Ohapi with like, you. I uh, just and, and who's right well, after Melendez is not going to be catcher eligible, but but who's right after him at pick two twenty seven? Uh, Tyler's our boy, Tyler Stevenson. Like, I mean, yeah, I'm not, like, I, I'm taking that discount at equal price. I'm probably going to go back to the Stevenson. Well, you're going to give me 50, 60 picks. I'm taking, and Stevenson. here's, and here's the thing. Like Moreno is a guy who is really a batting average asset, right? He is the perfect C2 that you're going to have to pay a C1 price for. Yep. But you only get the benefits of that batting average. If he plays a lot yes. um, now in his defense, if you look at, you know, from I think it's September 14th on, right? So a really small sample, right? He played in 14 of those games. That's a pretty big sample for a catcher, right? He caught yeah. four. You didn't DH any at any point. He caught 14 of those games. Are, are the Dimebacks going to let him do that over the course of a full season? I don't think so. If, um, if he's healthy, I think he's, I, I think they see Moreno at, at his best here when, when fully healthy as only being replaced once a week. Jose Herrera, whoever their backup catcher, I think he's a once a week type of guy. Catcher that hits 280, but yeah. But will he hit 280? Because that's the thing too, when you're betting on a batting average guy, no matter how good they are, they still need some good luck. Even Luis Arise, the best contact guy we've got in the game today, you know, from a pure bat to ball standpoint and that alone, he still needs the ball to land 
consistently for him, right? He can still go through a lull because of the way baseball works. So that makes it scary for Moreno. I like the player. I really do. Um, I can't, I can't, I'll, I'll pay for both of his teammates at 290 and 304. That's where Jansen and Kirk are now. Kirk is off the map. Yeah. How the yeah. hell is he off the map? Yeah. I mean, give me Luis Camposano at two. We're going to talk about him. Yeah. That, that's, okay. that's a transition. Let's just go there to him go. next. We'll move him up one because we got another catcher who I would also take going after him in a minute. But Luis Camposano. Pick 246, going way later. Another prospect catcher here of some intrigue who uh, who really kind of turned it on in the second half. And if you didn't have him on a team, you might have missed the fact that he hit six homers with a 331, 375, 500 line and 152 plate appearances. Now, that did have a huge 339 BABIP and all that. I'm not saying that this is who he is, but I'm just saying he finally put something on paper, Luis Camposano did. He's 24 years old. Is he ready to be unleashed by San Diego? Because right now, now it's been a little bit of is he even going to play and the answer's mostly been no i think it's finally his time do you agree with luis Camposano? yeah yeah i mean i i think he's going to be one of my most rostered catchers uh i think what he did in the second half is uh really legitimate we're talking about a guy with a 91% zone contact in 2023 that is elite especially from a power hitting catcher uh I think there is a lot of power in that bat. It's going to be a really great lineup to hit in. He's going to hit towards the bottom of it, but you know, like it's also not as stacked as maybe people make it out to be. Machado might miss some time. Uh, and so if he's hitting fourth or fifth because he leapfrogs over a guy like Cronenworth or, and a, you know, Machado being out for a little while, uh, that could be really valuable for a guy like Camposano. So in fact, he's going so much later than a guy like Moreno and showing just as good uh, contact skills, actually technically better contact skills, and has a ton of power in that bat. Yeah, sign me up for Luis Capisano as a catcher two that will perform or should perform like a catcher one. Yeah, and see, that's the thing. It's the opposite of the Moreno situation. You said you had to pay C1 price for what is normally kind of a C2 build. This goes the other way with Camposano. I'm actually really excited about him. And just looking at this catcher list here tells me I won't have any Moreno mm -hmm. because there's just too many guys. Let's move to our next one. An older uh, catcher, but one who, I mean, he is pushing his name up a little bit here in the playoffs, Garv Sauce which is, I don't know where that nickname comes from. I like it. That's a good one. That is his nickname, Mitch Garver. Uh, Garv sauce, insane season, 273, 7,500 with 19 homers. This is the king of home run barrages in small samples. Remember when he hit that 31? Mm -hmm. I think people might still forget that that happened in 93 games. That was absolutely bananas. Health has eluded him throughout his career. That's why he only plays, you know, a handful of games every year, but he always dominates. He always, or not, I shouldn't say he always dominates. He always hits for power. That part is true, but he only had a 98 OPS plus last year, which is not dominant, but he was great this year. I don't know if he's a free agent or not, so I don't know. He what is, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So he'll be in a new spot. We don't really know, but he did retain catcher eligibility. Mm -hmm. He's cooking in the playoffs. Is Mitch Garver somebody you're interested in? He's down at pick 244 right there with our boy Camposano. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he is. It'd be interesting to see where he ends up because he's not necessarily a really good catcher. Yeah, um, exactly. So, you know, will there are going to be a number of teams that won't even be interested in him just because he's not a guy you want to put behind the backstop very often. Maybe if you, if you need your DH. 
Yeah, um, maybe if you need first base or DH and a second catcher, he's the ideal fit for that team. Yeah, uh, or if you know, you know, a place like Arizona where you've got a young catcher who's going to catch a lot, but you need a guy who you spell him on days off, and you can put in DH. Uh, you know, when he's I, I not don't hate that. Yeah, so uh, health is the issue with Garver on Always. a per plate appearance basis. I think he is a really, really good. Um, option, uh, especially in your one catcher leagues. Um, so, like in your 10 team, 12 team Yahoo, ESPN leagues, I think Garvers should be one of your targets, right? Don't draft an early catcher, just wait till the end and pick off someone in the last couple rounds. I think Garvers one of those guys that I love to pick off in those kind of formats. Um, because you know, when he gets injured, you throw him on the IL, you pick up someone else, there's replacement value on the waiver wire, but. Uh, when he is playing and playing, you know, well, he is one, he's a top, you know, seven catcher in baseball on a per play appearance basis. So uh, those are the type of guys I love in those one catcher leagues. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And Mitch Garver, man, like I said, he just packs a punch in the limited sample that he gets at age 33. I doubt he discovers a ton of health, but I like him. I think a draft champions where you're already taking like three or four catchers anyway. You can bake in the the missed time. You know you're going to miss some time from Garver, but you're going to have him for those he's, couple months. He's one of those guys that I pair with like a Martin Maldonado, right? So I get the guy who can pack a punch in limited plate appearances, and then I pair him with a guy, you know, something like third or fourth catcher, a guy that like is just going to play. Like he's, he's playing, just so play. so that way yes. when Garver's injured, I know I've got someone to backfill. You got plate um, appearances. Yeah, Might exactly. not be great, but you got play. I'll tell you who I like for that, by the way, who actually quite a bit better than Maldonado, but very, very cheap. Shea Bangaliers. Yeah. Going at 308. That's a guy who's going to play. And I could see him being my third or fourth catcher on He's some He's going to be on a lot of my teams this year. Draft like Champions it, teams for sure. I am. I tend to be an early catcher guy, but there's going to be a lot of arguments this year to not take an early catcher at all and just, you know, hit these guys going outside of pick 200. I, I, I can still see myself doing like Adley early. And then my next catcher is Tyler Stevenson at pick 227. Yeah. I mean, and then I, and then I, have I no, go. Give me, give me Camposano and Kirk. Give me Camposano <laughs> and Danny Jansen. Give me, you know, give me. Mitch Garver and, you know, Langoliers. Give me, me Ohapi and a, and a Blue Jay. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. with you. Like, Patrick the catcher Bailey, landscape. Like, yeah, like, this the, is a really good time to not worry about taking catcher early. I agree. I agree. I know I'm not going to be taking Adley in every draft. I'm saying every once in a while, I might be like, I'll go big. But then my second catcher is going to be way late. Uh, another guy that I have to divorce my my love for him for what he did for me this year with this elevated price of Yiner Diaz, another catcher here, the fourth of our little quartet of catchers that's popping off. Not really a catcher in terms of he shouldn't be back there, but he was thrust into duty this year uh, because the way they had some openings ends up retaining catcher could only be a, a one more year type of thing, right? Like we're always going to be waiting for that last year of Diaz um, kind of like Varsha where it's like, is he going to even retain catcher? Uh, he also DH for 38 games played first for eight, but they do have Abreu for a while and they have Alvarez. So he it, he's not on the best team to lose the catcher eligibility, which frankly we love in fantasy. So that's good. Yiner Diaz was incredible. Uh, talk about Garver packing a punch in limited sample. 377 plate appearances for Yiner Diaz, 23 homers, 60 ribs, 51 runs, 282, 308, 538 line. Just an excellent, excellent run out of Diaz. The bulk of it done. Well, actually, no, sorry. 
I overstated it. Not the bulk of it done in the second half. He was better in the second half. That's why he's on here. But he actually had even 52 uh, game samples in the first and second half. But he jumped from a 768 OPS to 924 in the second half. Uh, from 10 to 13 homers, the ribbies jumped, the runs jumped, everything was better. Yiner Diaz is also expensive, though, at pick 149. So this is kind of a Gabriel Moreno thing where I think we just covered the fact that we love so many other catchers. We're probably not taking him. So I'm less concerned of whether or not you're taking Diaz and more concerned with how you feel about him as a player for those who do want to pay the premium. I love him as a player. Um, and I actually don't have a problem with uh, anybody taking him where he's going. Uh, I mean, really, really good in zone contact skills with power uh, at a position that's hard to find both of those things in the same player and not having to spend a top 50 pick. So getting him outside the top 100 seems fine to me. But like you mentioned, the issue with Diaz isn't anything with Diaz himself. It's with mm -hmm. all the other guys going behind him who offer really intriguing skills at a much yep. cheaper price. Uh, and if Maldonado is back next year, I think there's going to be playing time issues. You know, you've got Jordan, uh, you know, at the DH, you've got, you know, Maldonado, who is a guy they really like behind the plate as a catcher. And a and even caller. if it's not him, let me just say, they'll bring in some, like, yeah. Diaz will not be the primary catcher. There's just a forward-thinking mm -hmm. team like this is not going to put a bad catcher as their number one guy. I yeah. still think he has to spot in catcher one day dh one day first base one day and and keep rotating that's my concern with diaz and he's a pick he's a top 150 pick yeah uh i mean i could i could see a world in which you know he wasn't atrocious behind the plate necessarily like, that's good I mean, he, he was uh i think i, I want to say i'm and i'm double checking he was of. better than maldonado this year by the way but that's yeah ca, ca, um defensive samples small samples they're very difficult to judge so Actually, um, yeah, his catching numbers, his framing was bad, but the rest of his catching numbers were actually really good. Um, we need to get those auto. We need to get the auto up because then that helps a guy like yeah, Yiner Diaz. They don't have yeah. to worry so much about framing. Or you can spend your coins or whatever on you know pumping up his his framing. I <laughs> <laughs> I think are they coins? I don't know if they're coins in MLB the show or not. I don't know that'll play, but. Um, that, yeah, basically we got to super, we got to supercharge him. Yeah. Just, yeah. We uh, got yeah, we, we to move framing. that slider up a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if the rain or another Rangers, if the Astros decided, Hey, we were, we're going to let Maldonado go. Maldonado is a free agent. Um, mm -hmm. and we're going to let Diaz be the guy. Diaz becomes really interesting, especially around pick one forty. That'd be amazing. If they do commit to him, they say, hey, we saw some things this year. Remember, like um, Omar Narvaez was trained by Milwaukee to become a good catcher. Mm -hmm. uh, they did it this year with William Contreras. Now, that's Milwaukee. They're kind of known for having a catching camp. But if Houston has found some things here with Diaz and they've changed his outlook defensively, I don't know. Maybe there's something there. I, I, I That would fundamentally change how I feel about Diaz mm -hmm. if they did commit to him. But uh, as it stands right now, I can't really project him for much more than the 377 that we saw this year for plate appearances. Yeah, yeah that's probably right. Okay, we got two more guys here. Um, I really like this next guy, Matt Walner in Minnesota. And one of the main reasons I like him is I just think he's going to play next year because um, I just don't see a world where they keep Kepler and Gallo, or they bring them back. I think they're both free agents. I could see yeah. maybe Kepler coming back, but they're not with Walner there. He's the new Gallo. 
and right down to the fact that he's got insane power. And Wallner was another guy that, you know, I didn't just try to make this about my fantasy team, but I had I had him as well. I had Casas, Wallner, Geloff, Diaz. I had some guys that were helping me down the stretch there. But uh, he did the bulk of his work in the second half. This was one of those guys that didn't really have a first half to improve from. He was just a second half stud. 13 homers, 237, 354, 500 slash line. Only a 237 average, but I love the well over 100 point OBP split with his batting average. That's huge. So he's taking his walks up there. 37 ribbies, 39 runs in the 229 plate appearances for Matt Wallner. The power's there. Am I getting a 220 average or can I get something close to this year's 249 that he ended up with as a composite? Uh, that's my, like that's two, my concern. Yeah, 230-something. I'm, I'm, Somewhere I'm, in the middle? Okay. Yeah, is what I'm feeling like. Uh, I mean, here's the thing. You ain't got to pay much for him. Pick 328 for Matt Walner. Good. Uh, but this feels a lot like a Will Benson that doesn't run. That's fine. It's 100 picks cheaper, too. Yeah. Or, um, so. 50, 60 picks cheaper. But still, like, that's I feel a cheap like pick. Walner's one of those guys that, like, you could, like, look at at the end of the year and you go, hey, you know what? Screw it. I got 27 home runs and, you know, the average went great, but I got some RBIs and, or you could say like, oh, he was in AAA in May and yeah. I got nothing from him. So, We've done this before. Trevor yeah. Larnock was his name. Yeah. And he didn't quite work. But I think Larnock, Warner, Larnock's issues were more injuries and that's being true. blocked by other guys. Um, whereas there's a there's a real skills issue with Warner. I mean, even in the hot second half, he had like a 72% zone contact, which is tr- that is Galloian. Um kind of zone contact uh lefty brent rooker yeah and speaking of which he is not good against lefties matt walner he's like atrocious against yeah yeah he's a platoon guy for sure but he's gonna hit fourth in that lineup at least to start the year if you know he continued to mash righties like that could be enough and it picks 320 something like i think it's a worthy gamble like that's one of those guys I think he's one of those guys that I would rather draft in a regular draft than a draft champion. So if you were playing in a draft in only league where you don't have the ability to drop guys off your roster, if they end up in triple a, I don't know that I want Walter. Um, I got you on that. Whereas in a league where I'm getting him, you know, pick three twenty something 17th round or something like that. Like if he doesn't pan out, I'll pick someone up that could. So yeah, uh, I think that is the strategy with a guy like Walter. I like that. It is a boomer bust situation. I can get 30 homers. I can get three and he's back in AAA, like you said, because of the swing and miss and the lack of consistent contact. But I like him. I kind of see him in in the mold as, as I saw Kerry Carpenter coming into the year, a guy who has a real shot at 30 bombs with some flaws. Um, I don't see them as a one-to-one because Carpenter actually threw in a little speed. I think his plate approach is a little bit tighter, but uh, Wallner could mash you 30 in a quality lineup there with Minnesota and the price is right. You're just not paying that much in case he flops. And I do love your point about the DC because if he does stone cold flop, I don't want to drag him on my roster of a DC. I want to be able to cut him. Uh, Last guy, despite his huge run, not highly priced. The the market is not buying in on Davis Schneider, but I had to give the mustachioed man some run here and see if you think that there's any heat here. 
Um, his full season was was all second half base. It was only 35 games, but he hit 276, 404, 603 with eight homers, 20 ribbies, 23 runs, and 141 plate appearances. It's a tiny sample, but he popped off. Is there anything here to the 25-year-old? Well, he'll be 25 next year. Uh, Davis Schneider, is, is anything legit? It's such a weird profile. Um, Very bizarre. Yeah, like I, I don't think there is a ton here. Uh, especially because I just I just don't know if the playing time is going to be consistent enough for a guy like him. I, I can see Toronto bringing in someone to play second base. Uh, and while he did have a good second half, like he really fell off in September. So from September 1st on, he hit 174 with uh, striking out a third of the time. Uh, the in-zone contact's really bad. He doesn't swing outside of the zone at all. Like, I mean, we're talking about a guy who in, in that uh, in that sample of September on was under a 20% O swing. Um, That's 60% if, of his sample. I just want to point out while you're saying those numbers. Yeah. The, the like, September is 60%. So yeah. it was that two-week August run where he was – you could not get him out. He had a yeah. 539 BABIP, Davis Schneider did, with six homers. So it was such a lightning in a bottle run. It was like Chris Shelton, the throw, uh, a throwback name that some people might remember when he had that huge um, uh, April, rather. So you're not buying this with, with Schneider then? No. No, I don't think so. Like, I mean, I. The market isn't either. Like I said, 444 is the pick. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. Like, you taking yeah. him down there in a DC? Probably or are you just not. looking for other guys? Okay. I want a, I want a volume guy. I don't think he's a volume guy. Like, I mean, he's got the skills of what a volume guy could be, but I think he's on too good of a team. Like, I think Toronto is going to like look to add, you know, to that position. Um, they should. I mean, they absolutely yeah. should be on the market for a second baseman. Um, I stick with so. my boy Michael Bush down here at pick 454. Oh, yeah. That's that's um fair. I would go I'm a I, I likely over Pagaro in Pittsburgh a little bit. Yeah. He's pick 439. You know, I, I don't have to find a ton of names down here, but bottom line is I'm probably not gonna do it. I'd go back to the well with my boy Trent Grisham, speaking of the mustachioed man himself, 462 there. G1 uh, Bay at 473. Yeah. Um Everson yeah. Pereira. We're gonna talk Yankees. We still have the Yankees mm-hmm. guys that you highlighted on there. Colton Kowser, I mentioned him earlier in Baltimore. We don't know if playing time's going to be there. Bottom line is, I got guys that I'm going to take. Joey Weimer at pick 481. I just don't see Davis Schneider fitting mm-hmm. into my plans. But I want to give him some love because he did have that electric two-week run. But that carried him because, like you said, yeah. you, you point out how September was poor. Again, that's 60% of his sample. Yeah. Yeah, and he no, was I... dreadful. So great run by Davis Schneider. He'll be remembered for that run, but I'm not sure we're going to see too much from him here in uh, in 2024. Justin, there we go. That's 13 uh, second half standouts there. We like a bunch of them, but some of the prices are just sky high right now. And you got to be careful buying just based off of that second half. That recency bias can charge you a premium don't get caught up in it. I think we got to pass on some of these guys and look for the next guys that are going to pop off like that. We'll do some second half stud pitchers. Um, you want to do it on Friday? You want to go double this week? It's my birthday week. My birthday is tomorrow. Let's let's do double podcast this week. Sure, I can do Friday. Let's get let's give them a gift here. We'll do a second one on Friday because then November is going to flip and then we'll be back to at least two a week yep. after that. So Plus, we'll there's a fall week. league coming up, baby. Like I can't wait. We're so, so close to it. We'll We're going to have there. a live podcast, uh, mm-hmm. bringing in uh, the midnight hour. 
uh, on Saturday night. So it allows us to go, you know, full, uh, full HQ after dark type, type vibe. Make sure you take a nap midday if you're there because you're going to want to stay up because you never know what's going to happen. You never know with what underwear model is going to show up drunk to your podcast. Correct. You never uh, know what state Ina will be in. It will be mm -hmm. good though. It It could be be Pudge Rodriguez this year. He might bring Pudge with him. That was yeah. so amazing, by the way. Oh, God, I yeah. love every ounce I, I of that commercial. A lot of it because you I was vacation. in Disneyland and um I like I saw it like a couple days after, and I'm just like, oh man, I haven't even had a chance to really soak in what is Eno's underwear commercial. Um if, for those who have not seen it, uh please make sure you go and find that uh, on the Twitter machine or wherever yeah, yeah. wherever uh, underwear model pictures can be found. And if for some reason you can't find it, just tweet yeah, us. Hit we us will, up. We, yeah. we will um, get it yeah. get sure it in your hands immediately. We can throw it into the description, I'm sure. Can also do that a hundred percent. Well, Justin, great talking with you. Hope you had a good vacation. And we're about to dial it back up, man. It's been a nice October yep. relaxation, but I'm I'm already ready, man. This gets my juices flowing. I don't need that much time off. I just wanted a bit, but now I'm ready to kick it into high gear. Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be writing articles and doing projections till like three o'clock in the morning every day for the next week. So uh, hopefully, I will have at least pretty close mm-hmm. to a full set of hitter projections by the time we get to Arizona. Sounds great, man. Until then, I'll talk to you later. Take it easy.